My ballet career, the beauty and the beast of it. I let out a cry as I was falling to the ground, unconscious. I woke up being carried into the stage area I had just left. Quickly, a sheet of wood was thrown onto two wooden sosh horses, forming a crude table on which I was placed. A big spotlight was focused on me. The crowd of the people in the room gathered around me in horror. There was blood gushing from my face, that glaring spotlight, and a man standing over me saying, through clenched teeth, Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Do you understand? Nothing happened. What didn't happen? Who was this man and those people around me? How had I come to be in this situation? What happened as a result of it? I'd like to answer these questions, but first let me go back to when I was three years old. I was the typical little girl, thrilled and dazzled by the ballerina I saw on television. I decided then that I was going to be a ballerina when I grew up. So dancing became my reason for living. In time, I achieved my goal of becoming a professional ballet dancer. In the course of my career, I appeared on a number of television programs, either to dance or to be interviewed. One of the several appearances I had on the Mike Douglas show featured Carl Burnett. Before that show, we were given only a few days notice that we were to be can-can dancers with Miss Burnett. When we got to the TV studio, they explained that all of us were supposed to be good dancers facing the audience, but that Carl Burnett would be in the middle of the line with her back to the audience doing everything wrong. And of course, she would finally turn around and the audience would know who was out of step. One catch though, the TV studio neglected to tell us that the music had been switched from Can Can to the most beautiful girl in the world. What a change in tempo. They gave us one or two run-throughs and taped the show before a live audience. I still wonder if the audience got the point that we were supposed to be the good dancers. Training your mind. In my training from childhood, several things were deeply ingrained in my thinking. The first was total obedience to the artistic director, one who has the combined jobs of ballet master and choreographer. The second was absolute loyalty to the company and the art of dance. The show must go on no matter what. And the third, to develop one's own talent to its fullest, one must be prepared to eat, sleep, breathe ballet and ballet only. And once I came under contract, even decisions involving my personal life, what little I had left were made for me. Another part of my training was to learn how to make last minute changes or immediate decisions due to the unexpected, being sure the performance continued smoothly. To illustrate, one time I made a very fast change, the wardrobe mistress zipping me up with just seconds before my cue. However, 
In the wings on the other side of the stage stood my partner with her wardrobe mistress, waving frantically and gesturing that the costume zipper had just broken. No time to sew her in or even pin her in. With one costume zipped and one not, the audience would know something had gone wrong. As I heard my cue and stepped forward, I simultaneously felt my zipper got yanked down and the two of us made our entrance into the Academy of Music stage in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, wondering if we would be the first ballet dancers turned burlesque dancers before the number was over. Happily, we remained ballet dancers. During my early teen years, it became popular for girls to have short hairdos. My hair was long. I decided I could have the best of both worlds by cutting my hair short, but leaving it just long enough to put some of it in a rubber band and then put on a hairpiece, a bun. In theory, that sounded good. In practice, well, that was another story. After using at least 100 bobby pins to anchor the fake bun, I lacquered my head with hairspray and was ready to perform. Everything went fine until after a series of pirouettes across the stage, I stopped. But my bun kept going, just like a flying saucer, sequins glittering in the lights out into the dark audience. The audience was hysterical with laughter. My director, livid, to put, my, to put it mildly, and I was scared to death. Since a professional dancer should not allow even a small string from her toe shoe to be visible on stage, you can imagine what a sin it is to lose your hair. The rest of the company knew I was in for big trouble, so they hid me in the closet until tempers calmed down. training your body. Allow me to say here that I am describing the training of a professional ballet dancer, not what you might expect if your child wishes to take ballet lessons for the grace and the exercise of the dance. Training for a professional career, however, is an intense, constant discipline of the body with the potential of a host of physical injuries. In my case, I started when I was seven years old with one class a week. Quickly, this increased to two, three, four, and eventually as many as 15 classes a week. Before being on a professional level, I performed perhaps eight times a year. When I was about 16, our company went professional and the number of performances jumped overnight to nearly 80 performances a year. This put a tremendous demand on us. By the time I graduated from high school, I was working a part-time secretarial job after school, taking several classes every weeknight but one, and these classes were followed by rehearsals. It was not unusual for a rehearsal to go as late as one or two in the morning. From Friday night through Sunday, we usually had two or three performances. Each performance was preceded by warm-up classes and rehearsals. I, was, I would estimate that I spent an average of from 35 to 40 hours a week in training, rehearsing, and scheduled performances. 
in my spare time, I choreographed musicals for schools and theater groups, including Music Man, The King and I, and Fiennan's Rainbow. After high school, I held a full-time secretary position during the day and averaged from 45 to 50 hours a week training, rehearsing, and performing. While I could have lived off my earnings as a professional dancer, I chose to work another job to save extra money. I realized that when I would try to make my break in a major ballet company, I would need extra funds to live off of until such a break came. What about a professional ballet dancer's feet after spending hours in toe shoes? At first, the shoe is hard and friction will cause blisters. In time, the blisters get rough and you develop a corn. A new blister can form under every corn and this cycle will keep repeating itself. The end result is raw, bloody toes. There are times when all the corns are tough at the same time and then times when several are back at the raw stage, the latter being more common. What about your toenails? You must be prepared to lose them and keep dancing while the new ones are growing back. This being done in a toe shoe that runs several sizes smaller than your street shoe. Yet, you never miss a performance because your feet hurt, which is most of the time. You bear up even if it means you'll finish your performance with blood-soaked toe shoes, which I have done. We were taught that you weren't considered a real pro until you lost all your toenails at least once. One never pampered any injury. When I was 14 years old, I once got the class late. I had missed the bare work where muscles are warmed up and stretch. And I joined the class in go- doing splits. The muscles were cold and tight. I pushed and I and snap. I will not attempt to describe the pain. Hearing that sound, mothers came running in from the outer office wondering who had broken a bone. We were told it was a torn ligament and I was made to walk on it all that night. I cried and begged for mercy, but I was told I couldn't baby the injury. I obeyed and never did go to a doctor. Eleven years later, I had major surgery performed because of the complications caused by that accident. The mothers had been right. I learned that the bottom portion of my right pelvic bone had broken right off. I had lost a significant percentage of nerve usage on my right side, had muscle damage, and the bottom piece of my pelvic bone is still detached. Injuries can be minor or major ones, but since dancers are constantly being using their bodies, the minor injuries often become chronic in that they never have a chance to heal properly. One girl in her company pulled the muscles of several ribs during a particularly difficult lift. She could not perform thereafter without being taped in so as to be able to execute that lift. I recall two occasions where, because of such painful muscle injuries, dancers were given cortisone shots just to get through the performance. 
from my experience as a professional ballet dancer, whether it is feet, muscles, or even bone, something in the body aches or hurts at least 75 to 80% of the time. End of tonight's reading.